people. This is Street Radio for Unsung Hero. Riding in the Rego, trying to stay legal. My daughter found Nemo, I found a new primo. Yeah, you know how we do. We do it for the people and the struggle of the brothers and the folks. The lovers are the dope. Welcome back. Welcome back. It's the Deep Cover Podcast. It's been a while. We shouldn't have left you without a podcast to step to. I feel like I say that every season uh, at some point, but, uh, you know, that's just how it goes sometimes. <laughs> but we're back. We're back at you. It's Mike Crawford. It's Carrie Stevenson. It's Chris Aguilera. Uh, here to chop it up, all things Ravens, all things football, really, fantasy football, whatever. Uh, we, 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 we touch on it all. Um, but before we dive into any of it, it's been a while since uh, the people have heard from you guys. I'll start with you, Carrie. How you been? I'm good, man. Glad to be back with my brothers. You know, season getting ready to start. So, you know, I'm heavy in prep mode, just, you know, trying to get ready for all this. Um, and I'm, you know, just excited um, that, you know, football is upon us. Absolutely. I mean, preseason, how good has it been to have preseason games? Again, who would have who would have thought? You know, going back to 2019, right? Like we'd have a 2020 with no preseason, and we'd be like fiending for uh <laughs> for preseason games. At least me, maybe that's because of the preseason DFS uh, greatest game known to man. By the way. Um, but Chris, how you been, man? It's it's, it's been a long time. Uh, it just just a little behind the curtain, so people know. I mean, we have you know a little Twitter chat and we we talk to each other that way, but we really haven't talked like this in a long time. So uh, what's been going on, man? How are you? I'm good, man. Like Harry said, man, I miss both you guys. I miss the conversation. Uh, yeah, I mean, we 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 speak almost every day, you know, through our little group chat. But you know, it's different when you get to chop it up verbally and and I get to see you guys and stuff like that. Yeah, nothing nothing like being able to see everybody you can see the uh extra 10 15 pounds i put on since last time <laughs> so, so you know i've been i've been i've been living good right people people tell me like when you when you do that you know you, you you're blessed and highly favored so no more walks uh yeah well no the walks were still going on okay and then i even like took it to another level i got like one of these sauna vests so not the weight joint, not the weight vest, but yeah, the sauna yeah. one that like makes you sweat. Yeah, so yeah, I had right. that on, but I was still, I was walking. And most of the time when I was, I was walking lately, I wasn't going early in the morning. I was going like towards lunchtime. So here it's like mid nineties. Right. And I got this best <laughs> in the mid nineties. So things were going good with that. I mean, I feel like, yeah, I'm kind of sweating some of these pounds off. Then I got sick. And I stopped walking for a little while. And then we went out, you know, I started feeling better. It was nothing serious, thankfully. Um, vaccinated. Not that I need to tell anybody, but I am because I ain't ashamed. Uh, <laughs> but then we went on a couple of trips with the kids <laughs> for vacation and just got away from it. So this has probably been the first week in like the last, shoot, probably four or five weeks where I wasn't either sick or we were out of town. So I just got to get back in the groove. That's all. Living that summer life. That's nothing wrong with that. Nah, I think we we all you know yeah. had an opportunity to take some little trips or get get some little time away, and you know it's always a good thing, man. Anytime you can change your scenery for a little bit, get away from your normal day to day, that's never a bad thing. Yes, sir. But we are back. Yeah, absolutely. We are back to the normal scenery. 
Uh, and one of those things is the Ravens playing preseason games. They played two so far. They played the Saints two weeks ago, and just this past Saturday played the Panthers down in Carolina. I think we had our man Garnett uh, live on the scene, uh, <laughs> not only at the joint practices, but in the Panthers stadium for the game, getting live reports. Yeah, and he, he was over there recording everything, so we were able to see things too, and he was the first person I saw break the the Mark Andrews news where where he was like dehydrated and suffering from cramp, cramps. So shout out that's to Garnett. That's what I'm saying. He he out there breaking news <laughs> on the same breaking news. I remember he told me that he was going to be there at the joint practices and everything, and he's like, "I got y'all, man. I got the whole flock. I'm gonna be out there. I'm gonna be tweeting stuff out." And uh, he he did not disappoint. Uh, he, man, he his word giving us giving us clips breaking news and everything. Uh, but those two games uh, have, have taken place. The Ravens won them both. Got the uh, preseason uh, winning streak up to 19 games, I think, 19 straight uh, tie with one of the Packers teams, like old Packers teams going back to the Lombardi. Yeah. So um, I like what they say about that, though, whenever people bring it up and they say, hey, you know, some people will say that it's preseason, it doesn't matter. And most of the guys say, look, if there's a scoreboard, we want to win. We're trying to win, right? Every yep. time we step on the field, we're trying to win. It don't matter whether it's preseason, regular season, playoffs, whatever. Obviously, they are trying to win, but they're trying to win every time they take the field. And I think that's that mindset is just one of the things that have made them such a consistent organization. Is like it's not about any of that other stuff. It's about winning. We're trying to win the game every time we're on the field, no matter what. So uh I think that's just one of those hallmarks of of a consistent organization. But yeah, and that stuff trickles I, down to the to the young guys that you know you never know if these young guys are going to have to be put into action later on down the season. And you know they, these reps are valuable that they're getting and learning how to win. Like if they're down in a preseason game, you know that that's important. That that that's how you develop the the DNA of a of a team from top to bottom. Yeah, and we know 100% injury rate in the NFL. So injuries are going to happen, and guys who maybe didn't have as large a role are going to have to play. Maybe guys you weren't even expected to have to play. Um, maybe guys who weren't even on your team. <laughs> You're going to have to bring them in, and they're going to have to play. We saw that last year. I mean, the whole league saw that last year with not just injuries but with the effect of COVID. Uh, so, yeah, that's the, you're 100% right about that. Uh, so this this is good good preparation for that. But I want to, I, I want to, you know, give both of you guys an opportunity to talk about those games, anything that you saw, um, you know, anything that you want to share. I'll start with you, Carrie, and, you know, take it wherever you want to take it. You can, you can start Panthers and work back, start with the Saints, work forward, just, you know, some of your takeaways from, from watching those games. Yeah. Um, my first thought, you know, a lot of people want to kind of downplay the, um, the street, um, 19 and, uh, you know, winning 19 preseason games in a row. We know what preseason is. Like, there's a lot of different uh, elements at play, a lot of things that, you know, teams are trying to accomplish that aren't necessarily about winning. You know, you're trying to get certain guys reps and, you know, different looks against, uh, you know, different defenses, offenses, you know, however you want to do that. Uh, so to be able to kind of accomplish all those things and still win the game and to do that 19 times in a row is super impressive um, to me. 
Um, and then just a broader overall takeaway um, is just how deep and talented this team is, man. Like, it's going to be some real decisions that have to be made uh, in secondary, uh, at running back, um, you know, their you know, stuff to brim on the edge. Like, this is a really, really deep, talented team, man. And, and like, I think I knew that kind of going in, but it's different when you see the progression of it through a preseason game where they come in waves and, you know, you get to the third and fourth quarter and you got guys like Dalen Hayes that are, you know, flying off of the edge, making plays and, you know, all this stuff is kind of going on. And you're like, man, this, this is a really, really deep team, man. So, um, you know, hats off to the Costa for putting this group together. I mean, it's not a perfect team by any means. There's some, spots that aren't as deep as others but all in all i think is one of the deeper teams in the nfl yeah i agree we were talking about it a little bit before we started recording about just the quality of the depth too i mean it's it's not just like you you know have have your twos and your threes like every team but the both in both of these games when those guys have have gotten their chance and, and you know been on the field they're making plays i mean it's not just out there you know going through the motions or, or, you know, kind of trying to find their way. There what was it six turnovers, five turnovers in the first game, whatever it was against the Saints. I mean, these dudes are out there making plays, but uh, I don't want to, I want to ramble on uh, too much because I want to hear from you guys. So Chris, what did you think? What were your takeaways from those first two games? Uh, so the first, the first game against the Saints, it, w- it was pretty alarming as far as the O-line is concerned because they were just getting demolished up front. And, you know, that's without some of the key starters that the, uh, the Saints have. And, you know, we know that a lot of the guys from the old line were missing, like Zeitler. Um, obviously, Ronnie was missing. And then, you know, we don't know who's going to be the left guard yet, although it looks like it might be Phillips. But that's for later on. And um, But it, it, it was looking bleak. But then uh, the Carolina game, it kind of put me at ease because the whole left side – in the middle, they were there and healthy for the game, and and I, I thought that that side just really solidified it, and and it kind of eased my my fears a little bit because we saw, you know, I know you, Mike, and Kerry, we all, we both spoke about this uh, a few days ago that uh, how Zeitler he was just winning his one on one matchups, and it's been so long since we we had a guard who could just win one on one with no help just consistently just win. And I think just having that is, is going to do wonders for the team. And, and hopefully when Ronnie comes back and, and they have the left guard position solidified, uh, hopefully they could, they could click out the gate because it, like we said, we've all been saying this, the O line, they need time to gel. And the group has only what well, a right side and Bradley Bozeman in the middle They've had one preseason game to play. So we'll see who plays this weekend uh, against the Washington football team. We'll see who plays. And and hopefully by the time the week one comes along, we'll, we'll have a, a clearer understanding of how these guys are going to gel. Yeah, that Saints game, uh, particularly the early part of the game, it was, it was rough for the O-line. Uh, but you know what? 
made me feel a little bit better about it was seeing the Saints play again. I think it was last night against the Jags, and Davenport was doing Marcus Davenport was doing the same thing. He was destroying dudes <laughs> for the Jags. Yeah. It's like he was destroying dudes for the Ravens. So he just like bull rushing people, just knocking them on their backs. So I was like, okay, we'll see. He's doing it to everybody then. Um, but you know, obviously Cam Hayward. Uh, I'm sorry, not Cam Jordan. I'm thinking about the Steelers. Cam Jordan didn't play in that game against the Ravens. Um, I think he played last night, uh, some snaps. But man, Davenport and David Anyamata. I mean, don't don't sleep on those dudes. I mean, them, them dudes are legit uh, up front. <laughs> and I expected that they would play a little bit better. Uh, at least I was hoping they would play better against the Panthers, because usually that's what you see in in football, even in preseason. If you come out and don't necessarily play well one week, um, you know, in one particular area, you tend to come out the next week uh, and play a little bit better. It's obviously there's going to be a focus on that um, during that week and in practice and everything. But, you know, the other thing that I kind of noticed um, from the Saints to the Panthers, two obviously different different D lines, different, you know, personnel, individual matchups. So you, you have to factor that in. But and this is no knock uh, on Trace uh, McSorley, but it's just something I've started to pay more attention to over the last maybe two years as I've been charting games is, uh, you know, it goes by different names, but people call it QB set point, right? So when the quarterback, it's a passing play, quarterback takes his drop, where he's actually at, where he reaches the top of his drop and is getting ready to throw the ball uh, in relation to where the line of scrimmage is. And if you go back and you look at a lot of those plays, and this is something I added to kind of my charting, Trace was getting to about 11, 11 and a half, 12 yards in his drop. And that's tough on an offensive line, particularly the tackles, because that kind of depth creates different angles for those guys coming off the edge. Actually creates probably, you know, more advantageous angles uh, for them. And so if you can kind of step up, then you can kind of negate some of the negative impact of taking that deep of a drop. He wasn't really doing that. He was kind of just getting to 11 and a half and 12, staying there and then trying to get rid of the ball. But then when you watch when Huntley comes in, he's around nine and a half, 10, 10 and a half. He really never quite got to 11 or 12. He was right around nine, 10 yards at the top of his drop. And you can see the difference. You can see the difference in the amount of pressure. Now, people will say, well, yeah, but there were different guys rushing when Huntley came in. You know, you, you didn't have Davenport, you didn't have Anyamata. And that's true. Um, you definitely have to account for that. But when uh, Huntley got to to go pretty much this entire game against the Panthers, including some of their starters on the D-line, that was kind of what I was expecting. I was like, well, look, if he's as consistent with his set point as he was against the Saints, against the Panthers, we shouldn't see as much of that edge pressure um, as we saw with McSorley in there. And we didn't. You didn't see much uh, as much of it. Uh, aside from, you know, a couple of plays, you and I, Chris, were talking about that block. Gus Edwards uh, kind of <laughs> kind of missed on that one play. So I'm going to say you didn't see any edge pressure. But when it was just like tackles, you know, one-on-one against an, ed- against an edge guy, you didn't see as much of that kind of pressure in the Panthers game as you saw in the Saints game. And, again, the, the individual players are a factor. I'm never going to downplay that. But I think QB set point sometimes plays a bigger role than people think because those rushers, that's how you train. You're rushing to where you think the quarterback is going to be. That's the spot that you're trying to get to. And so when those guys are deeper, people might be thinking, well, okay, well, that's going to take them longer. But the angle becomes better for them. Yeah, they're further away in terms of their drop, but you have a a, a narrower, a sharper angle, 
right, to that guy. It's actually, you know, shortest point, you know, shortest distance between two points is a straight line kind of thing. So uh, that was just something that I noticed, a little, little, you know, nugget for the football nerd in me. Yeah, well, a, while, a while ago, I saw a, um, an illustration of, like, how they how you would want it to be. So what you want is the, the whole line to make a U, mm-hmm. and you step up in that U. But then when you drop too far back, what you're doing is you're kind of making a cone. Mm-hmm. So there's, yeah, so <laughs> it's like you just said, it's a straight line. Yeah. Yeah, that was, I, I didn't notice that until you said it. Yeah, a lot of a lot of people, you know, you'll hear, hear different ways to describe the shape of a pocket. Some people want a cup. Some people want a dish. They want a flatter. You know, the cup is like the U that you're describing, where it's kind of shallow in the middle and then it widens out on the edges. And the dish, you know, you think think about a dish like a plate. It's a little flatter, right? It's curved, but it's a little flatter. And that was a big Howard Mudd thing. Um, longtime O-line coach for the uh, Indianapolis Colts during Peyton's heydays. He was a big believer in the sort of dish pocket shape because he believed in the quick set or the jump set. He wanted his guys on the O-line to get their hands on the defenders right away. Like don't, he would always say, if you want to get beat, set back. Quickest way to get beat is set back. (laughs) So he was Mm -hmm. like, I want my guys either stand on the line or maybe even, you know, a, a step forward to engage these guys quickly. Now you have to guard against, quick counter moves when you do that right a guy might swim you or try to spin you or something like that kind of you know cross you over so you have to guard against that but if you can you know be on target with your hand placement the timing of your hands kind of getting that first meaningful contact on guys i think you got a chance to take the fight to them and you know to to kind of make it a little bit more difficult for them to get into their rush but different o-line coaches have different philosophies i mean some people believe in the vertical set you know, they want to create as much space as possible between them and the defensive line because that's a time factor, right? The more space there is, the, the more time it takes for them to, to get to the quarterback. So there's different different strokes for different folks. But anyway, uh, you know, I could talk about that. You know, I'm dirty. I am. I talk about that stuff forever. But anyway, uh, let's get in on a, to maybe a little bit, you know, deeper level uh, on the, the roster conversation and we'll, we'll we'll touch on a couple of the the position groups here i think we've kind of talked about some of them on a service level but you guys both mentioned the quality of depth of the talent on this team and how difficult some of these decisions are going to be uh for the for the coaching staff so we can start because we just talked about this uh, kind of a natural place to start the offensive line and uh i'll go to you this time chris um what are you thinking in terms of you talked about we probably don't really have a clear idea of who the left guard is, but what do you think about um, the offensive line and maybe who ends up on the roster or, or you know, who, who doesn't? Just I know you, you talked about doing kind of some early, you know, 53-man predictions. How, how do you feel? Uh, yeah, so um, as far as the – because we know left tackle, we know that that's going to be Ronnie. Because all indications are pointing to his rehab is going well, and they're bringing him along slowly. So it looks like right now that he'll be ready to go week one, hopefully. Um, we know Bozeman's going to be there at center. We know Zeitler's going to be there at right guard. We know Villanueva's going to be there at right tackle. Right now, the what's up in the air is the left guard situation. I personally think that Tyree Phillips is going to take that job. Not because of, you know, anything that Ben Cleveland 
has done because he hasn't really done anything yet because you know he was out with a concussion and you know that's i'm glad that he's back and he's doing well and he's back at practice but you can't show what you can do when you're hurt and that, that's just a simple fact and tyree phillip he's been out there i mean left tackle was looking a little shaky there not a little shaky it was looking a lot of shaky but uh at left guard he's he's looked well at left guard and he he's done he's done a pretty good job there so i, I would like to see him you know be at that spot more and just let him focus on that one area instead of moving him around so much but uh, i think that'll be his his job going into the season unless ben cleveland just comes out and you know, blows it, blows it out of the water. Yeah, it's, you can't, you know, I think sometimes people think that, um, you know, because Cleveland was a draft pick and obviously Greg Roman said that he thought he was, you know, one of the best, or maybe even said he was the best guard in the draft, that if you, you know, can't give, um, you know, you can't make a comment on him, they think, you know, maybe you're being negative. Or, but he literally hasn't played, like you said. And so it's like, it's you you kind of have to be neutral you know you're not saying that he is this or he isn't that you just haven't seen it i mean i know he's been able to practice at times before his concussion so there was some practice reps there but i wasn't there i wasn't at practice i didn't get a chance <laughs> to see that um and he said so he hasn't been able to play in the preseason game so you really can't say one way or the other and that's not being down on him it's just we just don't know and you know i, I was I'm, I'm a phillips fan I, I made that known last year um you know, when they when they drafted him. And I thought the fact that he was able to win a starting role over uh, an experienced veteran like DJ Fluker coming out of, you know, the, the adjusted training camp that they had due to COVID. I think that still uh, spoke highly in terms of, you know, how they felt about him. Um, but, Kerry, let me let me hit you on this, on the uh, the O-line discussion. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I'm I'm right there with Chris. I, I believe that Tyree Phillips will be the guy um at left guard. And I think for me, what what kind of puts me at ease as far as this offensive line, like I know it's gonna take some time early on, but we're talking about veterans here with Stanley at left tackle. You know, maybe you don't look at um um, the center position, um, because, you know, he's making that transition. Maybe you don't necessarily look at him like a veteran, but he is. But then you got Kevin Zeitler at right guard, and then you got, um, you know, Villanueva at right tackle. We, we're talking about three guys that that understand their position, understand what it takes to, to prep and, and get ready. So, you know, to have those three guys as that foundation – and to kind of be able to put Phillips in between that infrastructure, um, you know, obviously it's going to take gelling, but I think they're going to get up to speed, um, you know, pretty quickly. Yeah. Now, before we move on for offensive lines, two things I want to I want to get your opinion, both of you guys, your opinion on. Um, we talked about Phillips. We talked about Cleveland. We didn't talk about Ben Powers. Uh, ben Powers got a few starts last year at right guard. Obviously, Bozeman was still at, at left guard last year. But Ben Powers sort of – I don't have it up in front of me exactly when he he kind of got that starting job. It was somewhere around midway, right, through the season, Some maybe a little bit before, a little bit after, something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but he, he kind of won that job, I think, um, you know, once he got in there. And so 
I'll go to you on Helm real quick, Chris, before I get to the other thing I want to ask you. How does he factor in to that left guard competition for you? It's hard to say because he's like one of the most Jekyll and Hyde players that you'll see because one week he'll look terrible and he's damn near spending the whole game on the floor. And then the next week it's like, oh, wow, he's solid. He remembers what he's doing and, you know, he, he has an anchor. So with him, it's just it's so up and down. It's a seesaw. But, um, I mean, when he does perform well, you know, it, it – it makes you kind of pause as far as putting him on the on the chopping block because he's a guy that does have starting experience. So in a pinch, you know, you kind of want to go to that, you know, someone who you know what they can do, you know what they can't do, and also has that experience behind them. So in the little rough draft that I did of uh, my 53-man roster, I have him making the team as a, as a backup. Okay, and I, I, I double-checked here. Um, uh, friend of the show, uh, at Yoshi2052 on Twitter. Uh, I think everybody who, who's out there in the Ravens flock, if you don't follow him, you should, because when it comes to anything uh, uh, on analytics and sort of snap counts, participation, uh, I mean, he's doing it like the day of the game, right, and, and, and cranking that stuff out like later that night or whatever. So I went back and looked at his chart from uh, 2020, and it looked like Powers came into the Patriots game. Um, he didn't start that game. It looks like he came in. He ended up playing maybe about half the snaps. And then from that game, which I want to say was maybe week 10, week 9, week 10, something like that, from from that game until the end of the season, he pretty much was the starter at right guard. So um, Tennessee, second Steelers game, Dallas, second Browns game, Jags, Giants, and the second um, Bengals game. And, of course, the, the Titans playoff game and the Buffalo play. He, he basically was the starter at right guard for, what is that, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten games. Um, so pretty decent sample size um, that the Ravens, you know, were able to, to, to use as an evaluation on him. Um, Kerry, let me get your opinion on, on Ben Ben Powers. How does he factor into that that left guard competition for you? Yeah, um, it's tough, man. Honestly, I have him out in my projection. Hmm. Um, when you look at some of the guys, you know, Macari, Phillips, um, you know, obviously we know what um, what Ben Cleveland showed as far as his college film. But uh, specifically Phillips and uh, Makari, these guys are showing versatility to play at a couple different spots. So when you have that and then you have this guy that's, you know, a little more limited and then he is, there's too many kind of peaks and valleys in this play, um, I, I think that that's going to, you know, kind of put him in a tough spot, especially when you're looking to, um, you know, try to um, – figure out what the swing tackle situation is going to look at um, look like that I think that's going to make it even more difficult on yeah we, we know he cannot play tackle we, we saw that <laughs> for sure that was ugly it was uh it was an interesting experiment for sure because um obviously we didn't we didn't see him play at tackle uh in in any of his uh you know prior seasons with the Ravens not that I can recall um even going back to 2019, I mean, that's really testing my memory. I don't know if he played any tackle during that preseason or not, but I, I don't I don't recall seeing that. 
so when I saw him out there at right tackle, I was like, oh, that's 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 going to be interesting. And uh, yeah, it was it was rough. It was rough. There's no no other way to describe it. It was it was rough out there. So uh, I'm going to sit the fence. You guys both of have kind of taken an initial position. I'm going to sit the fence and say I don't know yet, even though I lean towards maybe him being off in my projection. But uh, it factors into this. So here's the second point I wanted to hit you guys on with the O-line. Um, so there's kind of that uncertainty around the left guard. But backups, right, the backups, that's kind of going to be the next where I think there really is a lot of competition right there because, um, as people might remember, there was a rule change last year where – if you brought eight offensive linemen up uh, on game day, then you could expand your uh, game day active roster from 53 to 55. But it had to be eight O-line in order to be able to take advantage of that. And, of course, you know, I think Josh showed me well, – Yoshi, I need to keep that straight. Uh, he showed me something where not every team did that. It would seem like a no-brainer. Like every team would bring up eight so they could get those extra two roster spots. But I think he showed me not, not every team did that. Uh, at least not not consistently, but the Ravens did. I think the Ravens pretty much did it every week. Um, so you're talking about eight offensive linemen, right, on game day. So so five starters and three backups. So in terms of that backup competition, and it's not limited to three. When I said I'm just talking about who who can be up on game day. Obviously they can have guys on the practice squad too. And we talked pre-show. I think they had like ten guys last year where they had eight kind of on that potential game day active, and then they had ten guys. Uh, excuse me, two guys. Um, eight plus two is 10, uh, on the practice <laughs> squad. So, um, I'll start with you, Carrie, on this one in terms of that backup role. Uh, and this, this spans, um, any of the positions, right? So you're talking about Ben Bredesen, you're talking about, uh, Tristan Cologne Castillo, you're talking about, um, Michael Schofield, who they just brought in, um, earlier earlier this offseason, um, some of the UDFAs they have at Foster, you know, and Foster Sorrell and Adrian Ely at tackle. Uh, we, we were talking about Andre Smith, but he actually was was released. It, well, terminated his contracts. He's a vested veteran, so he wasn't he wasn't actually um, waived. Um, so, you know, we're, we're, we're kind of looking at that group. Of, oh, and 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 my guy, uh, go get your man's. Craig Mans, uh, who can uh, <laughs> come get your man's, who's uh, who, who's playing some center and playing some guard. So that I think I got all of the guys there who are who are still in the competition. Um, so, like I said, I'll start with you this time, Kerry, on that that fight for those those backup O line spots. How do you see that kind of shaking out? Yeah. So for me, on my projection, I have them keeping nine um, O linemen. So as far as the you know the backups. I have uh, Cleveland, uh, Bredesen, um, Makari, and then I have them keeping um, the tackle, Adrian Ely. Um, I think, you know, we were kind of talking about it when you got a guy with his uh, his size and his kind of prerequisite ability. Um, you know, NFL is, is starving for tackles. You know, that that um, that Denzel uh, kind of made a point of mine, that brother starved. <laughs> that's, the, that's the NFL when it comes to like quality tackles. So uh, he's not a guy I see them, you know, putting out there for somebody to to pounce on. So um, those are the guys I, I feel like they're going to go with. And I got them going with nine. I mean, maybe 10, but they're just so in depth at so many different positions on his team. 
um, you know, 10 would be tough. Um, so, so I kind of split the difference and went with, with nine and went with those four guys as backups. I like that. I actually like that yeah. group. Uh, I wrote it down. I was like, yeah, that's, that's a pretty solid group. Um, what do you think about that, Chris? Now, I guess what I, what I, I left out and I should have said is whoever doesn't win that left guard competition could be, you know, the starter uh, position could fall into one of these backup roles. So, you know, whether that's Phillips, whether that's Cleveland, whether that's Powers, whoever doesn't win could fall into one of these backup roles if if uh, the Ravens choose to keep them on the roster. But um, so factor that in, too, with those other guys that I talked about earlier. How do, how do you see those backup spots kind of playing out? Uh, so I have it. Um, I actually have uh, Makari as a swing tackle. I know we spoke about this uh, a few days ago. And um, it's just Makari, it's just you could tell he's just a natural tackle compared to when he's playing on the inside. When he's on the inside, he just he just can't sustain those blocks. And he's just he's just not strong enough to deal with those big boys. But when you see him on the edge now, granted, he has those short arms, you know, for the you know long arm truthers. <laughs> but um, but he can mirror the guys. He can mirror probably better than anyone on the team as far as tackle goes outside of the actual starters because Cleveland, I mean, uh, not Cleveland Phillips can't mirror these, these are uh, edge rushers the way that Macari does. Now he has the length, he has the size, he has the strength, but unfortunately he just can't mirror them the way that uh, Macari does. That's why I would have him as the swing tackle because you know, he can play left tackle. He did it at Cal. You know he can play right tackle. Now I'm not saying that he's going to go and you know be your starter and take you know do what what uh, Orlando Brown Jr. did when Ronnie went down and like all right you just put him on left tackle you'll be all right. No, this is you know break in case of emergency kind of deal because unfortunately that's just the state of the the offensive line right now. It's they don't really have anybody outside of of Ely as you know uh, Kerry said. Which is interesting because the clip uh, you posted up a clip, Mike, today of uh, where you show his snaps, and there's you see you see the tools there. You see somebody that you know obviously still raw, but you see those physical tools: a guy with length, a guy that can mirror, a guy that has good footwork. You can you can see that there there's you know a lump of clay there that could be molded into something that, as far as a developmental tackle goes. Yeah, and and we we all, all three of us have said, it would probably be very difficult to get a guy like that one through waivers, and if you're fortunate enough to do that, two, to keep him on the practice squad for the entire season, like you might be able to start him off there. Again, he was an undrafted, you know, rookie free agent. So, you know, when, when you think about it in terms of that context, and people say, "Oh, why, why, why couldn't you get a UDFA through waivers?" Okay, I hear that. Granted, but somebody's going to poach that dude off the practice squad. <laughs> I mean, that's 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 just how it is. Will Holden, that's a guy whose name I was trying to remember last mm-hmm. year, who who they had on the practice uh, practice squad, offensive tackle. Um, you know, no no knock on Will Holden, but probably not. You know. Um, a player that a lot of people are thinking about, oh, we got to keep Will Holden, we got to keep Will Holden. But, uh, you know, he got poached by the Colts because, you know, tackles are, are just, you know, they're at such a premium in this league. So I'd be really leery 
of trying to, to, to pull that off with Ely. But, you know, something I thought about, a guy who I thought looked better in the Panthers game um, than the first game, because to your point, Chris, the, the entire O-line kind of struggled early <laughs> against the Saints, uh, was uh, Schofield, uh, Michael Schofield. I, I thought he looked a little bit better. I think he played pretty much the entire, um, you know, second when the second when the twos came in, he pretty much went at left tackle for the rest of the game. Um, and I is that right? He was at left tackle. Was it Bredesen at left guard? Or was Bredesen? No, Bredesen was at right guard. Who came in at left guard? I think they had a mix between Foster Sorrell. Foster Sorrell played a lot at left guard, and I think Greg Mance might have got some looks, or maybe he was backup center anyway. Um, Schofield, yeah, so, so Schofield, he, Schofield played uh, left tackle from the second to the fourth quarter. Okay, there you go. Thank you. Mm-hmm. And you know he's a vet, been around you know for a couple of years. Um, I think he was drafted by the Broncos as a tackle, played some tackle there to start, but then got moved to guard. So uh, actually played for the Panthers, I think, last mm-hmm. year, I believe, or at least was on the on the Panthers roster. I don't know if he got in any games or not. Um, but he's a guy who has that flexibility to play guard and play tackle. And I think, you know, again, I'm, I'm not saying, you know, we're, we're going to get some kind of all-pro level performance, although, hey, hey, who, who knows? I hope, right? Um, but I think the – Ravens really kind of value that flexibility in those backups, like being able to play more than one spot. Um, you know, you, you talked about that with Makari. I mean, Makari can play three. Uh, he can play guard, tackle, and center. Um, and and I think you painted the clearest picture I've heard about him from anybody is that he's built like an interior offensive lineman, but he plays like a tackle. He just right. looks more natural at tackle, um, you know, just in terms of his movement ability but his body type is more like an interior alignment so it's kind of a it's kind of a weird uh distinction there um but so Schofield I, where I was going with Schofield is I, I could see him maybe sticking as one of the backup guys just again because he gives you that guard tackle versatility so I think the guys that I had like those backups I think I had Macari I had Schofield um I'm trying to remember if I had Ely or not I think I didn't have Ely because I'm, I'm thinking there's going to be some kind of phantom IR situation uh, with <laughs> phantom injury reserve situation with him. Um, so I think I had Schofield. I had Macari. I want to say I had uh, Cologne Castillo, too. And then I might have had a fourth guy. I might have had Sorrell. I can't remember. Um, I think you got to keep either one of Sorrell or Ely. I think you got to find some way to do that. I mean, maybe they can find a way to have both of them, one on the active, one on the practice. But you got two tackles, two young tackles who, um, you know, can be developed. I think you got to find a way to keep at least one of those guys, um, if not both. So we'll see. We'll see how that all shakes out. We got a couple of more weeks here. Two, really, actually, right? Or three. They play this week, and then I think they have two weeks after this third preseason game because we're not getting a fourth. Remember, that's another change this year. Yep. We only have three preseason games, not four. So I think we got like three more weeks um, for all of this to shake out. But anyway, we have time on that because there's 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 a lot to kind of unpack on the offensive line. But let's yeah, let's that was that's that's what we call the the Cole segment of the show. Cole Jackson, that's right. At Cole Jackson, <laughs> NFL on Twitter. Uh, dedicated, you know, we, we should have had a sponsor like this segment brought to you by Cole Jackson, uh, you know, O-line discussion. Uh, that's, that's, that's my guy. Um, 
<coughs> excuse me. So we'll jump around to some of these other positions. One near and dear to all Ravens fans' hearts every year. Wide receiver, <laughs> right? And coming in, right? Coming into these preseason games, we were really coming into camp when everybody was coming in healthy. Oh, it was looking good, baby. I mean, Hollywood, Bateman, Sammy Watkins. You had, you know, guys, you know, as you're like your fourth, like Devin Duvernay, my old boy, getting like your fourth or your fifth, you know, you crochet, Tyler Wallace, who they drafted, you know, you, you're looking like, man, we about to cook. And then the hamstrings started going. <laughs> <laughs> hamstrings started going down like dominoes, one after another. Um, and, you know, we, we really haven't had a chance to see those guys in any other preseason game, those, those first three guys that I mentioned. Um, obviously, we've seen Duvernay, we've seen Crochet. St. Tyler Wallace, we'll, we'll get to him. Uh, Jalen Moore, a little bit of uh, Benjamin Victor. I always want to call him Victor. <laughs> Benjamin Victor. <laughs> I have to like pause and catch myself. I do I the same to, I thing. Say, I want to say Victor, but I don't know why. I don't know why I want to say that. Um, and then we've even seen some other guys. Um, man, who's the guy from Cincinnati? Uh, Gray. Last name is Gray. He got, he got a little bit of run. Oh, about uh, number 15? Yeah. Michael yeah. Darius, who I, who I think got released, actually, uh, yesterday. <laughs> he got a little run in that Panthers game. Um, so I'll start with you, Gary, on the wide receivers. Obviously, I think we all kind of know who the top – I'd say at least the top four. Um, you can let me know if you disagree. I mean, obviously, the top three I think we all agree on. I think Duvernay's the fourth. And then um, I think where it starts to get interesting is – the fifth, the sixth, and for those who think that they, they might keep seven, the seventh wide receiver spot. You know, there's a, there's a little bit of a of a uh, decision to be made there. Do you keep six or do you keep seven? Um, but I think that's where it starts to get interesting at five, six, and, and, and possibly seven. So, Kerry, what do you what do you think about um, those roster spots um, after those top four? Or if you agree with me on the on the fourth, I think we're we're probably on the same page with the three. But do do you even think Duvernay is the fourth? Yeah, I definitely got Duvernay as the fourth. Um, what was kind of interesting to me going into this, uh, this was like before training camp anything, um, you know, when everybody was trying to figure out whether the Ravens were going to keep six receivers, whether they were going to keep seven. I was looking at the depth on the team, and I'm thinking if everybody comes through healthy, maybe they only keep five, um, mm. you know, with Marquise – um, Rashard Bateman, Watkins, Duvernay, and Talon Wallace, and maybe that sh- saves you a spot. I think you have some versatility, some talent there, um, you know, throughout that, that those five guys. But then um, we get to um, camp, and Prochet just, you know, he looks good. He looks versatile. Um, <laughs> you say he doesn't have any juice, which I mean is really <laughs> true. <laughs> It's true, you know, he's not going to run away from anybody, but he's a guy that can back up at all three spots, you know, gives you the um, uh, return ability as well. And, um, you know, people just seem to be raving about him. So, you know, he to me, he kind of he pushes himself into that uh, conversation to be that six-wide receiver. Um, but my biggest takeaway is just – you know, even with the injuries, like if we're saying that Bateman is going to miss time early, even if we're being I'm not so much worried about Hollywood, but even if we're saying, hey, Hollywood is going to miss some time early, early on in the season. 
I think if you look at the three wide receiver set that they roll out, it's still better than last year's uh, three wide receiver set. So, you know, that's that's maybe kind of sad to say. I don't know how much that is impressive as it is kind of <laughs> kind of <laughs> sad as for the from last year's um, roster. But um, man, I, I'm you know it's been a lot of doom and gloom um, surrounding this wide receiver position as far as the injuries over the last couple of days. Um, but I'm looking at it like man, this is a talented group, man. And you know, Tylen Wallace took a step forward in that last preseason game i'm looking forward to what he can do uh, I, he's ready to start hitting the ground running and start making plays so, um you know I, i'm i'm still very encouraged by this group even with the injury yeah i should probably i should probably take some heat for saying crochet doesn't have any juice i mean all the all the all, all of the guy all the guy does by all reports is just work his butt off right you consistently hear he's always the first guy out uh, in practice, out early on the jugs machine, catching passes, um, pretty much all the practice uh, reports. Um, he's making plays pretty much every day. I think the joint practice is down in, in Carolina, at least one of those days, maybe both. One of those days, they said he was just making plays all over the place and couldn't be covered. Um, so you probably want to listen to the people uh, who are there covering the team and reporting on it. Uh, as opposed to me. <laughs> uh, but, but Chris, so let me go to you on the wide receivers. And, and for you, I really feel like we only need to talk about one, and that's Tyler Wallace. Like, we don't even need to talk about any other wide receivers because they don't really exist. There's other wide receivers, right? That's a category. And there's Tyler Wallace. And it is Tyler Wallace. That's, that's right. And that's, and, that's just, and that's just how it goes. Um but seriously, uh, I, I assume are you are you in, in the same place with those top four? You got Duvernay kind of as your fourth guy. Oh yeah, hundred um, percent. You know he he's definitely has that four spot locked down. Um, I would say I round it out and say Prochet has probably earned himself that that uh, that fifth spot, and uh, Tylen Wallace as well um, to round out that group. Uh, unfortunately, you know. I know this is a hard one for Mike. It's a hard one for me. But uh, Miles Borkin era might be over, <laughs> as unfortunate it is to say. Uh, you know, we, we were both very high on him coming out of Notre Dame. But um, like like we said with Ben Cleveland, you know, you, you can't – if you're not on the field, you can't show what you could do. And this year, more than any, Boykin needed to be on the field because it's a crowded room. This is not – 2019 this is not 2020 this this is a, a a wide receiver room that has a lot of talent on it now and uh unfortunately for him he didn't have a chance to to show anything really and, and when he was there early in training camp the reports were not good because he was dropping balls and, and you know not not performing you know to the best of his ability so uh yeah pull one out for for our boy miles boykin it could definitely be a, a end of the road, boys to men situation <laughs> <laughs> for my guy. I might have to. I might have to tweet out the, the, the gif. <laughs> we may have come to the end of the road, uh, but you, you to 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 your point um, about how important um, the competition and him showing well uh, was this year, as compared to other years. We heard 
Um, Marlon Humphrey talked about that early in camp. And he wasn't throwing shade at any of the guys that were here in previous years, but he just said, you know, in previous years, we had like the top two, maybe three guys, right? And then the rest. But now he's like, we've got like a top five, a top six, you know, at the wide receiver group. And they can all play. They can all ball. So, you know, this is one thing that he noticed just in terms of the quality of the talent and also the coaching, right? He talked about yeah. Keith Williams and T. Martin were doing and how he's just like, man, they're over there looking like DBs. You know, they got the swag, <laughs> you know, different kind of drills going on that I haven't seen in previous years. So um, you can tell that there's there's a different vibe around that wide receiver group this year. And, uh, yeah, unfortunately for me, um, as, a, as a fan of the run game and all things run blocking, uh, Miles Boykin, heck of a run blocker. But you, as, I, as you and I were talking earlier, Tyler Wallace, man, <laughs> that dude was doing work as a blocker in that Panthers game because uh, there was a run play that the Ravens were, were running pretty consistently. Even one of the Panthers linebackers, he did a sideline interview during the game, and he, he was out of the game at that point because he's a starter. But he was talking to the twos and the threes coming off the field. And he's like, they're running the same play. It's the same play. It's power and they're motion to Z, they're motioning the Z receiver down, and he's cracking on us on a safety or a linebacker. And that oftentimes that Z receiver was Tyler Wallace. And he was going in there just digging dudes out. So, you know, that I guess that was always the thing for me. Is like, yeah, obviously I had that affinity for Miles Boykin because of that role. But I really maybe it's I just had an affinity for the role as opposed to the position. I just need somebody who can come in and do that role. And I think Tylen Wallace not only gives you that, obviously he doesn't have the same size. I mean, they don't have many 6'4", 220-pound receivers on the roster. So that had always kind of been the thing that really kind of set Boykin apart. But what you do have in Wallace is a is, is just a dog mentality, right? <laughs> just go, go in there and battle with people. And then we saw he had a couple, uh, couple catches in that game too, uh, one on like a little quick out, which was a really good adjustment to the ball because, you know, Hundley was out there throwing heaters. You know, there wasn't, wasn't, no, wasn't no touch throws out there. <laughs> he was throwing straight heaters. And uh, that one was kind of off uh, Tylen's body. So he had to adjust and kind of snag it in and get both feet in. And then the one where he, you know, caught a little stop route, broke a tackle, spun out a little curl maybe, broke out of it. I thought for sure uh, he was going to score on that because that's what we, we saw that in college too another friend of the show matt waldman of, of the rsp rookie sport uh rookie scouting portfolio let me get it out uh properly he had talked about uh tylen wallace and his speed right uh before he had that injury and i think we got to see just a little bit of that because i mean he was running away from that one dude that he broke the tackle on and uh you know somebody kind of came from from over the top uh to kind of take him down but we saw the little high step you know, he was trying to get in that end zone. So you have a guy that can come in and give you something in that in, in the run game in, in terms of a blocker, but then also can be a playmaker um, as a receiver, which is kind of the thing that, you know, quite honestly, he's my boy. But quite honestly, that's been lacking with Boykin. We didn't we didn't really have that playmaking, um, you know, at the receiver spot as much. You get somebody who can do both of those things. I, that's an upgrade. I don't think there's any other way to, to, to look at it. So. Yeah, bummer for him if that's the way that it works out. But, you know, you can't keep them all. That's the thing I keep telling myself as I look at the roster and start thinking about, you know, 53, probably sweat. Can't keep everybody. I, I wonder know, if, they, if they IR Boykin. 
and uh, you know, just keep them on the roster. Well, keep them on, on IR and just have them on ice until maybe he's healthy. And you know, you never know with these injuries. I mean, we already got a bunch of them, and maybe bring them back in a you know capacity like that. Yeah, you you've got. Uh, you can do that in an unlimited capacity this year. Mm-hmm. Remember, it used to be a certain number of guys you could do that. Now, you can do that with as many as you want. Yeah. But I think it's only for three weeks. And I think after three weeks, then, you know, they, they come back and they start practicing and you got to you can make a decision, you know, yeah. in, terms of, in terms of the roster. But um, I think what that could allow you to do is, is be a little more creative. I mean, it might be a little bit more kind of, 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 a, of a musical chairs. Uh, three car money kind of situation where you can say, well, let's bring this, let's put this guy on our on IR, and then you know when he's two days away from the end of his third week, let's go ahead and release him, and then put this other guy on IR, let him yeah. get three weeks. I, I mean, and it it could be on the table because we know you know Sammy Watkins his his injury history. I mean, it's always been a little bit shaky, and you know Hollywood has this hamstring injury. I don't like Harry said. I'm I'm not too worried about it, but. You never know with these hamstrings; they they could linger too. And then you know we got Bateman coming back from his surgery, maybe September, maybe October. So maybe it's something that'll be on the table. Yeah, I mean, and you know we talked about how tackle, you know, offensive tackle depth is at a premium in this league. Different story with wide receiver. Uh, A lot of wide receivers out there, Uh, and so you know if you've got a guy who you know maybe isn't going to make your fifty-three, but I mean, I, I guess because he – I think I'm only thinking this way because he's been a starter from the beginning. I've just never, like, even envisioned this. But maybe he could be on the practice squad. Maybe he could be a practice squad guy, and you don't you don't have to necessarily worry about somebody poaching him. I mean, I, I kind of feel like somebody would come and get him. I mean, a guy who has been a starter. Okay, yeah, he hasn't put up, you know, huge receiving numbers or whatever. But he's been a starter his first – Two years, yeah, nineteen. And, and, yeah, two years. There's always going to be somebody that that'll say, "I that's going to be." I was a fan of his when he was in Notre Dame, and I know how to use him. Always, always going to be one of those. Right. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's the one thing. I mean, you 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 talk about players, and people talk about you know all the players in the NFL being alpha males. Coaches really aren't that different in the NFL. They all got egos too, and they all feel like you know what, like you just said, Chris. I know this guy didn't do. X, Y, and Z as previous team, that's because I wasn't coaching. Mm-hmm. When I'm coaching him, then you're going to see me get, you know, everything out of him. So I think they always believe that. And and that's good to some extent. You know, I think you need that or, you know, you probably wouldn't be coaching at that level. But sometimes it can be, you know, a little hubris. Sometimes it's not reality. But uh, I think you, you kind of got to carry it that way. And that, that's probably what got you there. Um all right, so we'll, we'll, we'll keep jumping around here. This one will be real quick because I think um, I'm going to touch on quarterback and then I want to go to defensive back, and I think that's a longer conversation. Uh, I think we're, we're all, the three of us are in agreement that we've seen enough, not just in this preseason, but even going back to the times that he played last year. Um, where I think he got in against the Bengals, and obviously he got in in the Bills game when Lamar went out with the concussion. I think we're all in agreement that Tyler Huntley is the backup quarterback at this point. Anybody – disagree with that no no way they it's it's his job oh yeah i thought it was his job when trace was was um was healthy i I still thought it was Huntley's job yeah yeah i mean we keep that one short and sweet and you know no disrespect to anybody but if anybody out there thinks that he's not um 
you know, hey, tweet at us, send your comments in, and I'll, I'll probably reply back to you with the, the Tyler Huntley, they look like some poo-poo gif. So, <laughs> um, <laughs> that's how strongly I feel about it. But anyway, uh, let's, let's move on to this defensive back conversation because kind of like the offensive line, um, um, well, not the offensive line. It's more like the wide receiver group in that you know who kind of the top four, maybe even five are. Those are locks. You know that. But then it gets interesting after that. And I'm lumping all these guys together. And we can we can kind of carve out safety versus cornerback as we go. But I'm, I'm just saying DBs because, again, back in my day, nobody wants to hear about me <laughs> as a slow, non-athletic uh, cornerback. But that's kind of how I was taught. You're a DB, not a corner. You're not a safety. You can play anywhere, do anything. Just tell me where to go, where to line up, and I'll play it. I'm a DB. That's it. Um, so I think – I don't even think. I know uh, these guys are the locks, clearly. Marlon Humphrey, Marcus Peters, um, Jimmy Smith, Tavon Young. I think Anthony Averett is a lock. There might be some people who say, yeah, you know, I, I think he's on the roster, but I don't know if I, you know, I don't know if I'd say lock. I think it's a lock. Um, so what was that? Four, five, five guys. And then I think it gets interesting after that, right? Now you're getting into, um, and maybe here, this is where we should carve it out, because I guess I did just name corners. Then you're looking at Chris Westry, um, Sean Wade. I don't really know what to do with Brandon Stevens. He's played nickel. He's played some safety. You can go either way in that discussion. But I think some of the injuries has helped clear some of that up at the cornerback spot because um, obviously they they let Devontae Harris go. Mom Marshall, they put on IR. Really feel bad for him. I mean, this guy's been on IR his entire time in the NFL, seems like. And then um, Khalil Dorsey. I don't know if Khalil Dorsey was released or is on IR. I'm not sure where Khalil – I know he's hurt. Or was hurt. But I'm not kind of sure what his his status is at the moment. But anyway, um, start with you, Carrie. The corners, and I guess we're really talking about those reserve spots. Um, how do you see that going? So I have it. I have them keeping sixth, and you know, you named out the five guys. I agree, all of them are locks, and I have them keeping Sean Wade as that sixth corner, but. Man, this is a situation where I find room on this roster. Like, can we can we go with five defensive linemen? Can we do creative things? It, it's just like that FOMO, man, that fear of missing out. You got Westry, a 6-4 boundary corner who, who looks the part. Then you talk about all, all these safeties we're going to get to. Like, I know we can't keep all these guys. I legitimately want to keep all these guys. <laughs> like, it's just so much talent and, and so much versatility. And, you know, these are guys that if they don't make this roster, they're going to make other rosters, and they're going to be playing on Sundays for these teams. These are sub-package players at minimum, a lot of these guys. So, you know, you know maybe, maybe there's a trade out there. I know – Last couple of days, they've been a, been a lot of, um, you know, corners um, for conditional seven-round picks. Um, you know, maybe there's a situation where, you know, maybe they can get some value trade or something like that. But 
there's just a lot of value on it being this uh, second big. I'm with you, man. I want to keep them all. I don't want to cut anybody because uh, <laughs> I think all of these guys are talented. So uh, it's 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 a really really tough decision. But Chris, let me let me go to you. And this is is probably where we have a little bit of discussion uh, because I think you're probably on the same page with Kerry and those top five guys. But I think you had Westry on as opposed to Sean Wade. I did. Um, only because... It's a projection. Again, I want to remind the people, this is initial. This is yeah, not yeah. Chris's final. This is, this is the, the rough draft. Yeah. Uh, so, basically, the only reason was is because a lot of the things that Sean Wade does well, Brandon Stevens does well. Hmm. And he might do it at a higher level. But... I'm not saying like this isn't my case to cut Sean Wade. Like I, I want to make that very clear. I don't want to cut Sean Wade, but I just I see a lot of potential in Chris Westry. You know, I see a guy who you know he's out there moving like a damn gazelle at six four, and you know he was. I mean, I know Terrence Marshall got that that uh, big catch on him the other night, but he was right there. You know, and this is a, a second year guy going up against. Uh, Marshall was a uh, second-round pick, right? I think so. Yeah, I think he, he yeah, was he a second-round pick, first. but he could have easily been a first-round pick. And he was there with him stride for stride, you know, and that's what you want to see. And, you know, I know just from a usage standpoint, Westry's been running, you know, more with the, the, the second group that comes in, the second unit that comes in. And then Sean Wade is playing way later on in the fourth quarter. And I know usage isn't everything, but that does say something where the team wants to see more out of, you know, Chris Westry and see him go up against higher talent than a higher talent level than the guys that he'll see in the second half. So that's that's the only reason why I went with Westry. But I do want to find a spot for Sean Wade because I don't – one is I don't like uh, – it, it would be a wasted draft pick. And two, I like Sean Wade. I think Sean Wade is a good, a good nickelback. I think he can he can do really well in that spot. And he's a versatile guy that you can move around. You know, you can move him at safety some. You could move him in the slot. You could even throw him outside. I wouldn't, you know, do that too often. But uh, I do like Sean Wade though. But it's it's difficult. It's going to be a very difficult decision. Yeah, we we talked about this before, and I I had Wade on, and if I had to make the choice between those two, I would have Westry off, and probably trying to get him on through the pack the practice squad, which may be difficult um, now, not just because of his 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 size and speed combination, but there's more tape on him now. If you go back to 2019, he's UDFA coming out of Kentucky, signed with the Cowboys, played in a couple of their preseason games. Um, uh, he, well, let me back up first in 2019, he had a hamstring injury. So they put him in IR comes back in, um, you know, after, after playing in some of those preseason games in 2019 goes on IR comes back in 2020, doesn't really get in any games in 2020. They called him up, um, for, I think their four, their, their week 14 and week 15 games called him up from the practice squad. Um, but didn't actually get on the field kind of was just there, you know, kind of that, that reserve corner kind of role. Um, and then at the end of the season, his, his practice squad contract, you know, terminated. And within like eight days, the Ravens signed him to a reserve futures contract. 
So I think at that point, if you were going back to if we were if we were looking at it during at that point in time where all you had was those preseason games on tape from 2019, you might feel a little bit better about being able to get him through the practice squad. But now that he's played in these uh, preseason game, these first two preseason games of 2021. And like you said, yeah, he gave up the catch to Marshall, but you know, you could see him making a play for that ball and he, he just missed it. I mean, literally just missed um, being able to get his hand in there and maybe break that up. Um, and then we saw in the first game, the tip, uh, on a long ball that led to one of the Geno Stone interceptions. And, you know, generally he's just had pretty pretty tight coverage, I think, even when he hasn't been targeted. So might be a little tougher now to get that guy through <laughs> to the practice squad uh, if you if you try to do that. Maybe you think you can do that with Sean Wade because, again, he doesn't have that much tape on him either. But he's a fifth-round pick, and he's got all of that tape from Ohio State, you know, this is recent, right? It was just, just, just from this draft. And so obviously there were a lot of people, I mean, you can go back to the prior year where people were projecting him to go in the first round, right? When he was playing in the slot, um, you know, two years ago. And then we moved outside last year, had a little bit, you know, of a, of a rockier, you know, time with it. And so he slipped obviously in the draft. So I don't know. I don't think you can probably run that risk either. I think you're probably going to have to make a decision between those two if you decide to only keep one of them, um, you know, if you, if you want to go, what do we say? Those first five, that would be six and seven. I don't know if they've kept seven corners before. I mean, you know, you'd, I'd have to go back and check that, but that we talked about all of the number crunches at the other positions. I mean, if you do that, it's, it's going to, it's going to hurt you somewhere else. Um, let's jump over to safety because we got some names over here that are also near and dear to our hearts. Um, so we know about Chuck Clark. We know about Deshaun Elliott, uh, who is already kind of living up to, you know, what I was expecting. I kind of was putting that out there this offseason after looking at some of the tape from last year. I was like, look, this dude was so close to making so many more plays on the ball last year, like just missing um, forced fumbles, interceptions was just there, though, and just missing it. And we're starting to see in some of these preseason games, you know, he, he he's getting ready to take that step. In my opinion, uh, even before the preseason, I thought yeah. 2021, he he was gonna he was gonna show out, uh, and I still think that's gonna happen. Um, so we know about Clark, we know about Elliott, uh, and I think it, 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 you know, Brandon Stevens, I think is pretty safe. I'm I'm putting him in in the safety category for the purpose the of this discussion, even though even though he's played some nickel in some of the preseason games, but he was, he was a third round pick. So pretty safe to say he's on the team. So you got those three guys. Then I think it gets interesting after that. I mean, we all love CoCap. We all love Anthony Levine. Um, but you know, these young guys are pushing, man. Geno Stone, Nigel Warrior, Ardarius Washington. They've all played in these preseason games and they've all made plays in these preseason games. So uh, they're really pushing uh, to be on this roster. So Chris, let me go to you. What, what do you think about this safety competition, particularly with those reserve guys? Like I said, I think we're, we're pretty set with, with Chuck Clark and, and Deshaun Elliott as the starters. And then after that, uh, you know, Brandon Stevens, I should say after him, after those three, it gets a little, gets a little dicey. Yeah, this one, um, I'm not going to be jealous of, you know, the, the decision that these guys are going to have to make because, there's going to be a talented, a couple talented guys that are going to be, be out there and and that they're going to have to let go because, you know, obviously we got Cole Cap there who's 
been the glue for the special teams unit for over a decade now. So you have him and you have his leadership and the, the presence and you know how much they, they value special teams. Um, and then we got a Geno Stone, who's a guy that we spoke about last year after the draft. And he's come in and all the reports have said he's in way better shape. And all you have to do is just turn the TV on and you see it. You know, he looks like an actual NFL safety now. He's, you know, he's all muscled up now. He's a little little quicker twitch than he was uh, over at Iowa. So right now it's it's looking like he, he might have a spot on this team. And then Nigel Warrior was out with a with an injury and it was looking bleak for him. And then he just comes in and, and balls out against Carolina like he wasn't even injured. And he's been there the whole time. So he makes things difficult. And then little Ardarius Washington, he's just making plays left and right on the field in the, in the preseason games. So what, what I have it currently, I have them keeping Cocap, and I have them keeping Geno Stone. Unfortunately, I have them uh, cutting Washington and Nigel Warrior. Those are the two cuts that I have from the safety group. Those are painful. I'm just going to let you know. Very, very. Because you know, you you know Nigel, you know Nigel Warrior is my guy. I know. That's my guy, man. But I, I don't know. It's it's difficult, man. I maybe I don't know. Maybe he could be the the nickelback. Who knows? Maybe maybe we put him in that CB conversation. Yeah, they they obviously wanted to get a look at him at cornerback. He's he's pretty much been you know he. He was injured and didn't get a chance to play in the Saints game. He played in the Panthers game and played exclusively at cornerback, outside corner, too, um, in the Saints game. Um, Geno Stone, you're right. You can you can just see it when you when you you're, you're looking at him on the screen. He he must be on that uh, that dirty thirty that Leron Landry plan <laughs> back in the day because dude is swole now. Uh, but Kerry, let me go to you on these on these safeties, man. How do you how do you see this playing out? Yeah, I got it pretty much the same way Chris has it, and that's what makes it so difficult. That's when this position specifically is where I start thinking about where I want to try to save a roster spot. Because with Nigel Warrior and with um, 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 the, oh, our Darius Washington, with those two guys – It'd be one thing if they were just one position guys, like if they were just a center field player or just an in-the-box player at safety, that'd be one thing. But, you know, like you said, they got Nigel Warrior playing outside corner. We know he can play in the slot. They can come up in the box. You know, they can play so many different roles, both of these guys. Uh, you know, that, that just makes it so much more difficult of a decision to make because you got guys that can make, you know, so different um, things work for you for from a package perspective. You know, when you're getting into your dime package and, you know, trying to do some things, they can give you a lot of different looks. So I, I'm I'm not looking forward to, to seeing one of those guys' names on that list when cut down day comes, man. But I'm just – I'm trying to prepare myself and, you know, light my candles and – <laughs> you know, get into a peaceful. Gym. 
it's going to be so tough, man, because all of those dudes have made plays. They haven't just been out there. We talked about Geno Stone with the two interceptions in the Saints game. Our Darius Washington had a couple of PBUs. He's had special team tackles. Um, you know, Nigel Warrior in that Panthers game, he was coming up making tackles in the run game, tackles in the screen game. He had a PBU on a third down play that got the Panthers off the field. So, I mean, these guys just ain't out there and, like, not being involved, not getting targeted, not getting involved in the run game. They, they've, been, they've been making things happen. So uh, it's going to be a real tough decision on those guys. I, I can't even call it at this point. I want to keep all three. <laughs> uh, but, uh, and, and I'm not, I'm not going to, I mean, I, I already, I already uh, was talking reckless about James Brochet. I'm not going to sit up here and say, and, and be the one who says, you know, they need to cut cocaine. I'm not going to do that. That's not, that's not going to happen. So, um, you know, I think the, only other kind of position group I thought we could touch on um, outside linebacker because another group where they're kind of they're kind of deep um, and I heard something earlier today I give him well I don't know I heard it early let me let me leave it at that because because of how it happened but um, you've got obviously the two draft picks right got a Dafe away first round pick Dalen Hayes a little bit later round pick I think Dalen was a fifth rounder right was he in the fifth? Yeah. but man he's looked good he's looked good yes. both of the games as a rusher dropping into yeah. coverage in the run game he, he, he he's looked he doesn't look like a rookie he doesn't no. look like a rookie to me um obviously Pernell McPhee is there we know what he is what he means to this team um Jalen Ferguson who, who's come in and in, in good shape and is is kind of asserting himself in the run game and, and you know, like the little engine that could doing a little bit more <laughs> in the pass game, a little bit more, a little, I mean, in terms of pass rush, a little bit more, a little bit more. Um, and then Tyus Bowser, who, you know, another friend of the show, Denari Melton at the Fire Zone show, thinks it's going to be a star, thinks this is a breakout season uh, for, for Tyus Bowser. So a lot of guys in that room. Um, did I just name six guys? Was that six? I think I named six guys. Oh, and Justin Houston. How can I forget Houston. Justin Houston, um, who they signed not too long ago. So, yeah, I think that's six guys. Are they going to keep six outside linebackers? I think they did last year uh, at various points. They may have even had – ever. I'd have to go back and look at, at Yoshi's charting to see if they had games where all six were active. They certainly had games where five were active. They might even had some where all six. Um, I'll start with you, Kerry. Do you think they keep six outside linebackers? And if not, um, what do you see happening? Yeah, I think they keep six. And I probably wouldn't have said that a few weeks ago. You know, I I kind of thought that, you know, maybe Ferguson would be the odd man out. Um, but he stepped it up. He's, I think he stepped up his play. And I think he's, um, you know, forcing that to be a more difficult decision. So I, I think they the key six. Um, I think the interesting thing is when you look at how they're constructed and you look at specifically Pernell McPhee and Justin Houston and those guys being able to kick inside or down, I think you can almost look at them like quasi linemen that maybe allow you to 
maybe keep one to lineman. Um, I, it kind of just depends on what they can find out there on on the or you know kind of what they want to do as far as depth on the practice squad. But I think that's an interesting thing because um, I don't know. I'm just people. You know, I, I just want to hoard good players, so I don't want to keep a lesser player at a spot. You know, just because you know you want to have this prerequisite amount of you know whatever the position is. So um, I, I do think they keep six. I think it's going to take some creativity. Um, you know, to make sure they can do that, but but I think in the end they'll do that. Yeah, so I, I double-checked. I went back and looked at Yoshi's charting. Uh, they did not have a game last year where they had six outside linebackers active, so I was wrong about that. Um, they did have, have some games where they had five. Um, the first six games, uh, they basically only had four um, who, who, who got snaps, but that was before they traded for Yannick. When they traded for Yannick, that, that first Pittsburgh game, uh, for the next four games, they had five guys get snaps. Um, so – you know they they they've supported five outside linebackers getting snaps in games, uh, multiple games. It wasn't just like a one game thing. So I could see that happening, but um, did not have six active on game day. I don't think this. What a, the chart I'm looking at now just shows snap counts. It doesn't necessarily show whether somebody was was. Oh, it does show inactives. Yeah, so I don't know if they had six. Um, but anyway, let me not go down that hole. Chris, what do you think about this outside linebacker position? They keep all six. They keep less than six. What do you think? Um, so I I have them keeping six. Um, like Harry said, it, like it's a, a, a philosophical standpoint. It's like don't yet yeah, don't keep players, don't keep lesser players, just to stick to this. Oh, we have to have X amount of players at this position. It's like that that will go against what they do in even in the draft. They don't ever say, Oh, we need a wide receiver. Let's say, well, they have done it, but it hasn't worked out for them. But you know, to, generally speaking, they don't say, Oh, we need a wide receiver. Let's go for this wide receiver over this edge rusher that we have rated way higher. So I, I, I think about it in that same vein. It's like, you know, if these guys are talented, let's not let them go. Because we've seen that bite them in the ass before. It's let, let's keep these talented guys because, like you said, football has a hundred percent injury rate. Guys are going to get hurt. A lot of these guys are older. A lot of these guys are young. So they, the learning curve. I mean, they, they look good now, but they might hit the rookie wall. You know, things might happen. You know, it's like Ray Lewis used to say: the valley, there's peaks and valleys in the NFL season. So you just need guys, and you, you got to have them stay fresh. And if they're all talented, keep them. Keep them. I, I, that's what I have it right now. I have it Justin Houston. I have Owe. Um, I have Bowser. I have Hayes. Um, you guys have McPhee as a, a outside linebacker, or you got to you have him somewhere else. He's one of those guys that I that when when Kerry mentioned about being able to kick yeah, inside, he, he's he, he's definitely that first guy that comes to mind. But I think I had him listed as an outside linebacker. Yeah, that's what I have him as an outside linebacker. Now, where things get a little tricky for me, and I, I think my bias shows, is uh, Jalen Ferguson. Uh, I currently don't have him on this roster, but to Kerry's point, he has been doing his thing this preseason 
as far as the games are concerned. And I, I was not a Ferguson fan. Uh, you know, I could admit my bias, but what I've seen from him this year, he seems more comfortable. He's actually playing with emotion, you know, which is, you know, that, that shows you that a player is getting comfortable when they start playing with emotion and they, they're free out there. They're not just, you know, like a robot or scared to, to make a mistake. And he's out there, you know, having fun. And that's what you want to see. So that that's another guy that it was like, damn, how could I leave him off? You know, he's doing what he needs to do in order to make the team. So that, that was another one that was that was tough for me. But uh I, I left him off. But I, I wouldn't be mad if he's on the if he's on the final fifty three. Nice little segue there. Uh would mention in Ferguson, I'm doing a video um next day or two. Might be out Friday with Denar Melton on Ferguson uh, and how he played in that Panthers game. Uh, so we're going to have some film, hopefully, um, if oh, YouTube man. copyright, hopefully <laughs> YouTube copyright police don't hit us. You know, this is the thing without the all 22. When I when whenever I was doing film breakdowns, uh, you know, in the DCP lab or whatever, I was always using the uh, coaches film and YouTube didn't hit you for that. They didn't pop you for that. But when you use the broadcast, um, you know, clips and, and to particularly any kind of highlight clips from the NFL. Oh, they, they, they popping you up, down and, and, and all around, uh, for copyright claims. So I, we'll see, we'll see how it goes. I, I hope we can, we can get some of it in there. Well, somebody told me what you can do. And this was, this was, it was like a no brainer, but it was a really good idea. They said, Hey, if, if they flag you for some of those and what happens when they flag you for those is you just have to trim them out of the video and they actually do it for you. You just click, you know, they show you all the segments that they say have copyright claims and you just click trim and they just trim it right out of the video for you. But then there's like these, these lapses in the video. Right. And somebody said, well, Hey, just take all of the clips and just tweet them out. Right. You can do it through Twitter and, and, and you should be good. So that way people can go both. If, if we don't get caught, then you can watch it in the YouTube video. If we do get caught, uh, that you can go to Twitter and you can, you can see the plays there. But I, I was uh, the one who said that. Oh, well, th- <laughs> there you see, I was someone. It's Chris. Let me give credit where credit is due. That was a, you see, so I, I even downplayed it. It was an excellent idea. <laughs> an excellent idea. Um, but you'll 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 see some plays there. And we don't have I, I don't have a ton of them. I I, I think I, I got like maybe six or seven clips, but you'll see some plays there where, like you said, Chris, he looks very comfortable. And it yeah. looks like he's um kind of finding his his role, finding where he fits in this defense. Um, he's very he, he's, he's he's looked much better against the run uh, in terms of setting the edge and, and I show a couple of those plays. Damn near had a sack. Um, he beat their backup left tackle, little speed rush, little dip and rip at the top of the rush. Literally gets his hand around uh, I think it was Will Greer was their quarterback's uh, ankle and tries to like you know pull him down that way, but Greer kind of steps out of it, so you know almost had a sack there, and then. You know, special teams being near and dear to my heart. He had a couple of uh, punt rushes on punt return, right? So the Panthers are punting to the Ravens. Ravens returning, where it had to be, it had to be uh, intentional. What he was coached to do, he literally destroyed the long snapper, picked him up and put him on his back. Right? Did it? Did it on two different punt rushes? Like not just trying, you know, to rush the guy. You know, not just getting into his chest and trying to drive. Like literally picking him up and slamming him on the ground. And the second time, he actually drew a holding call on the guy. 
because the guy was like, man, this dude is straight running me over. I have to <laughs> hold on to him or he's going to make a beeline for the punter. Um, so, you know, that's always near and dear to my heart whenever guys show up on special teams like that. So we'll put some of those out there um, for people to take a look at. Like I said, hopefully we'll get it out Friday. Definitely want to get it out before the game, the last game on Saturday. And with that, let me transition in, into that because we also want to um, talk a little fantasy and, um, you know, kind of kind of give Chris and Kerry the floor to do that. But just to kind of put a button on this and wrap this up, we also want to, you know, talk a little bit about our expectations going into this this last and final preseason game. Remember, there's only three this year. But I'd be remiss if I didn't give a shout out to LJ Fort, unfortunately, um, towards ACL in that Panthers game and is out for the season. Um, just been a really solid guy at inside linebacker ever since they signed him. Um, he's one of those guys I've always wondered, like since the Ravens brought him in, I'm like, how is this guy not playing more on other teams? He had been with the Steelers. He had been with the Eagles, kind of bounced around a little bit. And every time he's on the field, he's just solid. He's just solid, you know, in the right place, doing the right thing, um, knowing the defense, communicating. And, um, you know, it just sucks uh, to see because he was only in for one play. The one play he came in for was the play he tore his ACL. Man. So it just it just sucks to see that happen. Um, but, you know, in football, there's always the next man up line and, as one door closes, another opens. So uh, I just mentioned special teams a minute ago, a guy who, who's played pretty well for them has um, caught my eye on special teams over the last year. So it was Christian Welch, yep. linebacker out of Iowa. So this could open the door for a guy like him to see some more run. Obviously, Chris Board is there uh, as one of the other backup inside linebackers, and he, he already kind of carved out a little role for himself last year, kind of one of their sub-package inside linebackers. And of course, we know. Patrick Queen and um, Lee Harrison are kind of slated to, to start there. So just wanted to give a shout out there um, to LJ Fort and, and wishing him a, a speedy recovery and hope he, he can get back um, next year and, and continue to play. But now moving into this last game against the Washington football team, um, we wanted to talk about just real quickly, and then we'll go into fantasy, um, our expectations. Uh, I'll go first this time just to get mine out of the way because I really only have one. <laughs> and then I'll let, turn it over to you guys. To hear your, my expectation uh, is to not see Lamar Jackson play. I, I, I would, would, would really hope that we don't see him. I don't need to see him in any of these preseason games. Uh, and I'm not just saying that because of, of what we said about the offensive line. And obviously people probably know that the, the football team down there in D.C. has has a pretty good defensive line. Everybody knows Chase Young. They've got the interior defensive tackles. They've got Montez Sweat. Um, you know, so they they got some legit dudes up front there. But I just don't see what the point would be. Um, not just because of the O line, the starting wide receivers we talked about. They're still not going to be in that game. I don't think. Um, I mean, we still got a couple of days before the game, so maybe that changes. But I don't think those guys are going to go in that game. And so I just don't see what the point would be to play Lamar in that game. But anyway, um, let me start with you, Chris. What are your expectations for that that final preseason game? Uh, I, I just want to see these uh, end of the roster guys because, you know, we just spoke about it and we're all having a tough time trimming this roster down and who are they going to keep, who are they not going to keep. I, I want to see, you know, these safeties. I want to see these cornerbacks, the end of the roster guys. Uh, that's what I'm most interested in seeing. And um, obviously the offensive line too. 
know, the offensive line, that's that's going to be major. Um, I don't – I'll be surprised if Ronnie Stanley played. So I, I don't think we'll see him. But um, I, I'm hoping we'll see that same starting five that we saw in Carolina with um, Macari at left tackle, Phillips at left guard, Bozeman at center, Zeitler at right guard, and uh, uh, Villanueva at, at right tackle. So uh, that, that's mostly what I'm looking forward to, though, those end-of-the-roster uh, battles. Kerry, what about you? What are you looking for going into that last game? Yeah, I'm looking forward to uh, Lamar Jackson not seeing uh, Chase Young in any sense. Like, I wrap him up after the game. I am the touch Lamar at all. Please share your sentiments there. Um, other than that, a couple guys I'm looking at, um, Tyson Williams, I want to see him kind of close out the, the preseason strong and, and continue to try to make that push to be on the roster. Um, he's a guy that Matt Wallman um, kind of brought to my attention um, when the Ravens uh, signed him as an entry at the free last year. And kind of just looking at his tape uh, um, on BYU, you just saw a big physical back who had nimble feet that can catch the ball, that, you know, can pass protect. And, you know, last year he showed some things, but here, you know, you can tell he's further removed from the ACL injury. So you see a little bit more burst, but, you know, that, that nimble feet, man, and those natural hands, man, I mean, the guy just, uh, he's a good player. Like, I don't want to put, you know, go too far with my purple passes, but um, he would easily, to me, be the number two running back, um, you know, for the Falcons or for the Rams right now. I, I think he's level of player. I think he's he's worthy of, uh, of, of carries on Sunday. So um, looking forward to seeing him, um, you know, kind of close out a strong preseason. And then uh, Tyron Wallace, I want to see him get involved early um, in this preseason game, um, you get some targets and, and, and see if he can keep his upward momentum going. So um, those two guys specifically are uh, – you make a good point. I, I don't think we talked about the running backs. I'm glad that you you mentioned them um, because, you know, you hear people talk about players flashing. I mean, just that that should be a picture. Uh, uh, you know, that should be the definition of what Tylen Wallace. I'm, I'm sorry, Tylen Wallace is flashed too. Tayson Williams. That should be the, the definition of what he's done uh, this preseason because yeah. that guy uh, has been out there putting it all on display. I mean, vision, patience, agility, quickness, speed, power. You know, he, he's been solid in pass pro. Um, he had a he had a snap against the Panthers where they lined him up out wide and threw him like a little quick stop route, uh, on a little quick hitch on the sideline. You know, he's been catching the ball out of the backfield. I mean, he's he's put it all on display. And you mentioned Matt, uh, Matt Waldman. You know, we talked about him earlier, obviously big friend of the show, brother from another mother. Um, he talked about, uh, Williams, you know, as he was coming out that year, uh, into the draft and said, you know, this is a guy that people need to be talking more about. And you can see why, I mean, he had a run, he had a touchdown run against the Panthers. It was just, you know, incredible. I mean, just effort balance, you know, cutting on, cutting on a dime on guys, just 
everything was there. So that guy's been really, really impressive in the preseason. And then their other uh, running back, Nate McCreary, also had a strong game against the Panthers. You know, play well against the Saints too, but, but you know, kind of stack that with another strong game against the Saints. And, and you know, when he gets going north and south – I mean, that, that that dude is a load when that dude, uh, you know, gets, gets his pads, you know. And, uh, and imagine imagine how he's going to play when they give him a running back number, too. That's just going to take him to yeah. the next level. Yeah, he's rocking that 18 right now. <laughs> uh, Tyson Williams rocking the, the number of another Williams who played for the Ravens, Ricky Williams. And what's crazy is, like, when you look at them just physically, so Nate McCrary is listed at, at two, like two thirteen, right? He's like he's listed at two hundred thirteen pounds, six foot two hundred thirteen pounds, and Tyson is listed at uh, six foot two twenty. Now, who looks bigger to you? Not well, not necessarily yeah. taller, but just like bigger to you between the. I mean, McCrary is like a like a load, but uh, yeah. I guess they just carry it differently. Yeah. And um, man, both of those guys have been impressive, and then you know that might put. Um, another one of my guys, Justice Hill. We talked about Miles Boykin. Man, this is this is a rough one for me. Uh, the show um, Justice might be <laughs> another one we have to we have to pour one out for because you know he got to play in that Saints game and then you know he suffered an injury. And he hasn't been able to practice and he didn't play obviously against the Panthers. And these guys are not staying static, right? They're they're continuing to push and advance. Um, and, and make their, their claims to be on this roster. So right now, for me, I, I don't know that I could have Tyson Williams off this roster. I don't, I don't see how I could do it. I think he's got to be on. Um, yeah, I'm with I don't you. know how you, I don't know how you, you know, numbers-wise, how you make that work. Because obviously you got J.K. and Gus as your starters. Um, Ricard, I mean, he's not running back, but he's a fullback. But if you're just putting, you know, in that back room, um, you know, that that's three guys. And then, you know, are you going to have a fourth guy? I think you have to. I think you got to have Tyson on there just based on how he's played through these two preseason games and, um, you know, the reports that we've heard out of practice basically echoing, saying, like, he's doing the same things in practice that he's doing in these games. So, um, and then maybe you get McCrary on the practice squad because I don't, I don't want to let him go either because, you know, he, this situation kind of reminds me of what was it 2018 where they brought in a couple of those UDFA. That's, that's the year that they brought Gus in. Gus was one of the UDFAs and they had like two other guys who was UDFAs too. And they were kind of all battling it out and Gus, you know, kind of won that competition. So kind of reminds me um, of that situation where you bring these UDFA guys in. And, um, Ravens have, have done pretty well with UDFA running backs over the last, you know, couple of years. So, I know I said I wasn't going to go too much further on that, but I once Kerry yeah, mentioned Tyson, that was, that was, was like, oh, my yeah, we got to talk about him. Yeah, that was my exact thought when uh, at first um, when Matt Woman mentioned him, and after the Ravens signed him, I went back and watched him at BYU, and my first thought was this could be Gus Williams. I'm uh, Gus Edwards all over again. Now I was thinking Gus Edwards would probably you know, sign a more lucrative deal elsewhere. And so maybe, you know, the natural progression is he leaves in free agency and then Tyson, you know, kind of picks up that spot. Um, but like you said, man, everything is on display with him. Everything, anything that you want back, he's giving you. So, I mean, I, I think 
it's just it's going to be too difficult to to leave him off the roster. I couldn't do it. Not after what I've seen over these two preseason games, I could not. Uh, I could not live. I could not sleep at night <laughs> if I if I did that. Um, this is the end of uh, part one of a two part episode. Uh, as we tend to do, we went a little long uh, on this episode, so we decided to split it up into two. And there was kind of a natural transition going from talking about the Ravens preseason and a bit of the roster uh, prediction. And then into some fantasy football uh, talk. So that's going to be coming out soon. So uh, keep your eyes and ears open for that and check it out.